All right, let's, uh, let's dive right into it. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. We're going to be talking about the earmarks of a child of God. What, what does a child of God look like? You know, what does he act like? What does, what does she look like? What does she act like? Uh, what, what does this person look like? So let's dive into it. Acts chapter 6, verse number 4. Um, but as believers, we're, now we're talking about the church, the Christian church that formed after Jesus died on the cross and, and went to heaven. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, so the church was growing really, really fast, there were rumblings and discontent. So there was lots of good things happening, but not everybody was real happy about what was happening. Um, And so the Greek, and this was the problem right here, one of the problems, the Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers Uh, Now, these were the disciples that were leading the church. They said, we apostles should be spending our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Now, uh, there was a a guy, one of the seven, his name was Stephen. And uh, they selected Stephen as one of the seven. And and, and Stephen is a guy that we're going to be talking about through the remainder of this chapter. Uh, So the whole premise of today is is about Stephen because he had the earmarks of God. And uh, so Stephen was one of the seven. So Amidst all of this grumbling and arguing, somehow or another, while everybody was arguing and fighting, arguing and fighting, he was this guy that people looked at and said, man, he is really, really faithful. And he really loves God a lot. In the middle of the chaos. Now, it's easy to... Uh, be a Christian on Sunday morning at 11.15. You know what I mean? When everybody is singing, everybody is kind of like just focused on God. But on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, when chaos is happening, that's when the rubber meets the road. It's a little bit hard at that point. It's It's a little bit hard. But Stephen was able to do it. Now, if you think anything like I do, and I hope you don't, (laughs) but if you think anything like I do, you, you back up and you say, how did you keep your head? How did you stay so, so steady with God? How did you do it? I have these perplexing moments all the time where I back up and I go, how are you doing that? I remember a few years back, I went and saw a friend of mine do the CB&I triathlon here in the woodlands. And uh, I looked at him and, and I just spouted off. I didn't really mean it. 
I just kind of said it. You ever, you ever do that? You say something, you're like, why did I say that? Well, I said, this time next year, I'm doing this race. And I was just kind of blabbing. I didn't really mean it. And there were some church people around me and they were like, yes, Pastor Frankie, yes, you can do it. And I went, whoa, whoa. And so I was like, yeah, I can do it. I can, I can do it. I can do it. I, I will do it. A year from today, I will be in this race. It's a, so it's a, it's a sprint triathlon. You, you got to swim and then you get out and then you ride a bike and then you, you get off the bike and then you run. Um, the bike, I wasn't worried about. Been riding a bike since I was two. I, I know how to ride a bike. I may not be fast, but I know how to ride a bike. Okay, I got streamers. It doesn't matter. I, I just, whatever. Running, it's a three-mile run. Worst case scenario, it takes me 10 hours. I know how to run. Who cares? The swimming. That's always been an issue. I did not learn how to swim until I had hair on my armpits at 13. So now I'm supposed to swim in a lake in front of church people in the woodlands. So I start taking lessons. It was so incredibly awkward because I've got these memories of being a teenager with floaties and I'm not lying. And the teacher would tell me, Frankie, your problem is, is that your feet are, that my body was like this. This is my head. This is my feet. You got to get your feet up. You got to get your feet up. I said, well, how do I get my feet up? I'm trying to get my feet up. I'm kicking. She goes, you got to push your body down and your feet will go up. Do you hear what she's telling me to do? You, you, you ever, and I just looked at her. Like, I'm not as dumb as I look. I know I look dumb, but if I take my head and I push it to the bottom of the pool, are you tracking me yet? Yes, my feet may go up. My head won't come back up. That's a problem for me. And she said, no, 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 don't worry about it. You just push your head down. You just push your head down. It won't go down. I was like, <laughs> I beg to differ. It'll go down. So you got to push it. And I'm seeing other people swimming. <laughs> me, I got, I got water in my eyes. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I got water in my eyes. I got, uh, hold on, hold on. Uh, Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Push your body down, your feet will go up. It was so hard. And so I did the race on my back. All the way around, I had people in kayaks saying, Sir, are you okay? I'm like, I trained like this. Leave me alone. I don't know how, to this day, I don't know how people get their feet up 
with their head being pushed down and breathing. I'll, I'll never, I still don't understand that. But I don't have to learn how to swim, you know, because I'm not, I, I don't live in the water. That's <laughs> not a must for me. Um, here, here's the deal, though. I am incredibly fascinated how Stephen can be a man of God in the middle of chaos. That fascinates me. How church people, the people who love God, they're going cuckoo, cuckoo, and he's cool as a cucumber. That's, I, I want to be that guy. I want to be the guy when the world is blowing up. I'm like, Not literally, but <laughs> I want to be that guy that's just boom. And, and Stephen did four things. And, and I want you just to memorize this statement if you can. If you have to write it down, write it down. It, Stephen, here comes the four points. Stephen was a faithful, humble fighter whose face reflected the glory of God. He was a faithful, humble fighter whose face reflected the glory of God. Let's unpack that real quick. He was faithful. He, he was the guy that when, when everything was going crazy and chaotic, he was the guy that just kind of dug his heels in the ground. And, and there's this dragon. I, I call it a dragon. It's called the dragon of complaint. And we got to be so careful if we want to be the faithful person, the faithful person that has their eyes locked on God. We got to be careful when that dragon is allowed to come out. Because complaint is the source of all dissension. If you're in an argument with your husband, it's because somebody complained. If you're in an argument with your wife, it's because somebody complained. If you're in an argument with your stepson, your stepdaughter, your father, your mammy, your pappy, your boss, your neighbor, it's because somebody complained. If you have an issue with God, you don't pray that much because there's something about God that bothers you. As an example, I said this last week, we don't have a problem that God doesn't answer all of our prayers. We have a problem that he didn't answer that prayer. Are you with me? And so we have, what, what, why, why is there distance between us and God during those seasons? Because of complaint. There is any time complaint comes out of somebody's mouth, just imagine it being like this. I hope you planned that. <laughs> Because anytime complaint comes out, there's now dissension. There's an issue. There's trouble. There's, there, and, and Stephen was the guy that says, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's not go crazy with this complaining thing. Amen. We, we got to see what is going on here. And, and so he, he backed up and he realized that, you know, you can complain. There's always a reason to complain. And in my own life, I've realized that if I start complaining in the morning, I will complain all day. I don't know how you are, but that's me. If I'm complaining about the 47 minivans in front of my car as I'm pulling up to drop my kids off at school, hypothetically, I will complain for the rest of the day. 
Uh, there's, uh, I don't know if she's here. Um, there's this uh, little, uh, what's Sean and Sasha's daughter's name? Peyton, Peyton, Peyton. Yeah, Kinley's little sister. But uh, I, I was talking to Isaiah. Isaiah was sitting in my office last week. He was sitting on the couch and he was telling me about this issue that the, the, worship leader, the, the worship team is trying to figure out. I think it had something to do with sound or something like that. I think everybody in the church wanted it louder and we were trying to figure out how to do that. And so, uh, and so we were just kind of going back and forth. <laughs> All right. Awkward. Uh, so uh, <laughs> we were just trying to figure out how to do it. And so, you know, Isaiah was being real sincere, trying to figure out, did our sound guy leave? Did you leave? I was just kidding. Um, and so um, uh, we were having just this real transparent, honest conversation, trying to figure this out. Well, Kinley, who's five years old, seven years old, was in my office as well. Um, She just kind of wandered in there and there were other people in the room. It wasn't like this closed conversation. And and so Isaiah and I were done. And so Isaiah stood up from the couch in my office, gave me five, gave me a hug and walked out. And so Kinley sits down. (laughs) No, Peyton sits down. She goes, Pastor Frankie, I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. And so she, she saw what Isaiah was doing. So this is what you're supposed to do. She goes, you know, I got this boy named Joseph um, <laughs> in, my off, uh, in my kindergarten class. And, and I don't like Joseph very much at all. He's mean and he never lets me go down the slide on the playground. And I'm sitting there going. <laughs> and, and she says, um, And I got to thinking that I got to stop thinking about all the bad things that he does because he is good at some things. And I'm like, can you say that one more time? (laughs) So she goes, yeah, so I wrote him a note. And I said, oh, that's so good. And so I went and told her dad and her mom. I was like, you never won't believe what your daughter said. She said, da, da, da. And he goes, yeah, yeah, you know what the note said. I said, what? She goes, dear Joseph, you're good at some things. And I'm like, you know, (laughs) I know there's something you're good at. I I don't know what it is, but I'm sure there's something you're good at. You know, here this this seven-year-old is sitting here telling me, you you can find the positive, Pastor Frankie. I'm like, yeah, because, you know, as a matter of fact, I'm going to start looking into that. For me, being faithful to start it off, anybody can complain. Anybody can complain. It doesn't take practice to be a nag. Anybody. Have you ever noticed you meet somebody positive in your life and you're like, I like you. I like you. And you back up. Why do you like them so much? Because they're positive. Don't you have anyone else in your life that's positive? No. And it's so, it's so easy. It's so easy just to go right down that. You know those, those slides that go in circles on kids' playgrounds? It's so easy just to go wee. It's so easy. 
But, but Stephen, he was one of seven, one of seven in a big church full of people that was just like, hey, 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 hey. Let's stay faithful here. Let's, come on, guys. Number two, he was humble. He was humble. You know, basically, he signed up to be a waiter. You know, if we say, okay, let's vote here in the room right now, seven guys to wait tables on us every Sunday afternoon. Now, they were doing it every day, but just work with me. Every Sunday afternoon, we're going to nominate seven guys to wait tables on us. We're going to go in the youth room. We're going to pick seven. I don't really want to do that. And not only did he was he willing to do it, but many would say that he was too gifted, he was too talented for that. But that's not how he saw it. He, where there was a need, he asked him, "If if I can, if that's a need, if that's what you if that's what you need, am I capable?" Am I capable? And he said, yes, watch it. Look at this. Look at the, the anointing, the blessings that was on this guy's life. Verse 8, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, watch this, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. This was a guy who would pray for people and they would be healed. Which, by the way, by the way, next Sunday night, this is a shameless plug. Here in this room at 6 o'clock, Ivan Tate is going to be speaking. Ivan Tate is kind of like a Stephen. And he's got this gift of prophecy. He's got this gift of healing. And he is phenomenal. And as a pastor, I have come to the place in my life where I am so sick of nuts and flakes. (laughs) It's hard to find somebody who's the real deal out there. Can somebody say, ah, you're telling the truth now. Like, I'm not going to mail in $1,000 at 2 in the morning to get $5,000 tomorrow morning. I, it's a bunch of baloney. Amen. Yes. That was out loud. I know some of you are going to like, oh, I'm not coming back to this church. Well, hey, look, go ahead and stay and put $1,000 in the offering. still there? I'm going to write a book, How to Get Rid of Your Church in One Day. But this guy, (laughs) this guy has a true anointing. He has a true anointing. So next Sunday at six o'clock, he's got a prophetic gift. He's got a healing gift. It is just phenomenal. So, but this was Stephen. Stephen had this. And so when you have this prophetic gift and you have this miracle gift, if you have this gift and you sign up to be a waiter, that means you're humble. Do you know what humility is? Humility is to esteem others to be better than yourself. That's, that's what it is. It's just to esteem others to be better than himself. And, and the more humble you are, the less you want to fight because you realize, hey, I'm really not much without Jesus Christ anyway. So, hey, I'm probably wrong. (laughs) 
You know, conflict and dissension underneath it is pride because what you're saying is, is I deserve better than this. I deserve for you to talk to me better than this. I deserve for you to treat me better than this. I deserve it. You know, when, it, when, when people get road rage, and I don't know anybody who's ever done that, basically what, what's happening whenever one of my friend is driving <laughs> is, is somebody cuts them off, and, and, and it's like, what did you just do? In other words, you don't do that to me. Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? And about that time, my wife would go, and who are you? You're the guy who doesn't pick up your underwear. That's who you are. (laughs) We got to realize that underneath all of our complaint, if you're going to write only one thing down, the source of complaint is pride. I deserve better. I want better. I demand better. And we're going to talk about it. Now, complaint isn't always out loud. Complaint can be expressed really loud without words. We all know the cold shoulder. You don't talk to somebody for like a couple days, a couple weeks, a couple hours. In other words, I deserve better. I want better. You better give me better. This is what we, this is, there's this humble spirit, this attitude. And what's so interesting is that God gave him these gifts and it backs up and I go, oh, oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. It, You trust people with gifts and experiences, people who esteem others to be better than themselves, people who are faithful in the middle of chaos. Wow, I, I, I get it, I get it, I get it. And then number three, he was a fighter. Uh, you know, if you read the chapter, uh, Stephen was approached by these uh, Jews and Gentiles and these Pharisees and they brought him to court because he was healing people. They were upset that they, he was healing people. They were upset that he was preaching Jesus. They were upset. And he was, he, he didn't like cower down. He, he fought. Now, to fight, it's not like, it's not that kind of a fight. Because the Bible says that we fight against not flesh and blood, but against principalities. And I got to say, fighters nowadays are often hard to come by. Because when a spiritual fight comes, oftentimes the the non-fighters, they just disappear. They disappear. Have you ever been in a college class or heard about those college classes where the professor stands up and he goes, Okay, look around, look around, look around. Everyone look around. Okay, the person that you're looking at probably isn't going to be here by the end of the semester. You ever hear those stories or you're in a class like that yourself? What, basically what this, the professor is saying is half of you aren't going to cut it. Half of you don't have what it takes. I could almost say the same thing as a pastor. Everybody look around, look around, look around, look around. When half of you, when a spiritual fight comes, we won't see you. And why is that? Because fighting spiritually involves 
in the middle of confusion and chaos, somehow you force yourself to be faithful and humble. That's, that's fighting. You force yourself to pray. You force yourself. You force you. If, if, if I'm going to go through this season, I'm going to go through it praying. I'm going to go through it praying. I'm going to go through it praying. And a lot of times we have kind of like this clock on God. I'm going to go through it praying, but if you move too slow... You know, uh, uh, anyone here ride a motorcycle? Anyone here ride a motorcycle? Motorcycles are fun. I love riding motorcycles. I don't have a motorcycle because my wife told me. Um, it, but uh, when, when I used to, to work uh, at the church before, uh, before this one, um, there was this guy who had two motorcycles. And so he goes, Frank, I'm going to let you borrow my motorcycle for a little while and, and just see if you like it. I was like, this is a great deal. Absolutely, absolutely. So here I am riding the motorcycle. I don't have a license. I've never taken a class. I'm just like, whoa! It, it, it was scary. So I drive around the block to get used to it, to get used to it, to get used to it. And, and all of a sudden, I decided I'm going to ride it to work. And so I rode it to work, and, and I'm just looking at people. I'm like, yeah, I'm riding a motorcycle. I'm riding a motorcycle. And I'm just cruising along. And, and I went out to lunch. I'll never forget. I went out to lunch, and I got on I-10. I-10 with a motorcycle. Cuckoo, cuckoo. Get on the motor. And the semi-truck comes up. And, and I'm right next to the wheel. The wheel is right here. And I get scared. I, I get scared. Like, so scared. And, and so I decide I'm just going to let the truck go by. Just go, go. And so I pull off. On the, I'm going, and I go, and I'm just going to slow down to let the truck go by. And the more I slowed down, it was crazy. To this day, I still don't quite get it. And I've had, motorcycle drivers have told me about this and explained it to me over and over and over again. And I still don't get it, so don't try after service. I, I still don't get it. As I slowed down, the truck started pulling me into itself. It's the craziest thing. I'd slow down and it was like this inertia that sucked me in. It's, it's kind of like if you see an empty Coke can on the, on the road, you see why it keeps getting sucked under cars and spat out. It's like some type of Drag. I don't know. That sounds, that sounds smart. It like, it like pulls it in and then spits it out. And so I'm feeling pulled in. I know I'm about to get spat out. This isn't going to be good. So I pull off. I'm going like 55, 60. I'm like, I'm going to go down to 30. So just go, go, go. So I let go, and as I'm letting go, I'm getting sucked in. And so in my mind, I'm like, think, 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 think. And so I start, I start accelerating, and it stops sucking me in. It's the craziest thing. Well, you know me, I'm a preacher. Everything has a parallel. I start realizing 
When I'm on I-10 spiritually and I don't know what in the world's going on and everything's going fast and I got a ton of billion thousand questions, if I slow down spiritually, I'm going to get sucked into this thing. I'm going to get sucked in. Going to church and worshiping and praying is always a good idea. But when all hell is breaking loose, it's a must. Otherwise, it will suck you in. When all hell is breaking loose, that is not the time to let up on the gas. If you and your husband are fighting or, or there's layoffs, I read about an oil and gas company that did 6,500 layoffs recently. Oh my goodness. If you go to that company, that's not the time to stop praying. When things are rough, that's when you, that's when you, that's when you hit it hard. You hit it hard. If you're ever going to chill and relax spiritually, which is never a good idea, but if you're ever going to do it, do it when you're on vacation in Cancun drinking something with an umbrella sticking out of it. Don't do it when there's pay cuts happening. That's right. Amen. That was kind of worth it. That was kind of worth your gas this morning. Absolutely. So he was, he was a guy. What am I talking about here? He was a fighter. <laughs> What's interesting is, is he was a serious... In, in Acts chapter 6, verse 10, it reads like this. While they were in court and while they were coming against him, it said this. None of them could stand against the wisdom and spirit with which Stephen spoke. You see, when you're praying, gosh, this is so important. This is so good. This is good. Isaiah, this part is good. I forgot to mention this in the first service, but they were sleeping on me, so they didn't deserve it. <laughs> Boy, they were sitting on me, man. I had to go like eat chocolate to, get, to replenish myself. If you ever come to the first service, would you do me a favor and just breathe so I know? I know there's some people out there. Just go, <gasps> and I'll go, yes. Somebody's alive. I love them very much, and I know they love me, but I think that I need to serve more coffee in the lobby. Who, who, no more decaf. No more decaf. No more decaf in the lobby. So here are these guys. This is the point I forgot to mention. In, in, in that courtroom, they're fighting. They think they're fighting against Stephen. Stephen, you shouldn't have did this. Stephen, you shouldn't have did that. Stephen, you shouldn't have did this. Stephen, you shouldn't have did that. But Stephen has been praying and worshiping and fighting and being humble and trying to stay faithful. So the presence of God is in him. They think they're fighting against Stephen, but they're not fighting against Stephen. They're fighting against God. Because every answer that Stephen is giving, the Spirit of God is sharing what to say. And so when people are fighting against you, it doesn't matter if you're perfect or not, but if you're just faithful, just that, it's like a grandma. Grandmas are the best. Don't ever argue with a grandma. They pray more than we breathe. Don't mess with those ladies. Don't mess with them. Don't mess with them. Because when you mess with somebody that's faithful and humble and 
fights, when you fight against them, you're not fighting against them. They think they're fighting against you. You might be in the boardroom and you got some whippersnapper going. They think they're fighting against. They're not fighting against you. They're fighting against God. They're kicking against the pricks. Now, obviously, we can't tell them that. Because that negates the first three things that Stephen was doing. Does that make sense? The last thing, last and final point is faith. Remember, Stephen was faithful, humble fighter. He was a faithful, humble fighter whose face reflected the glory of God. He was a faithful, humble fighter whose face reflected the glory of God. Now, while they're yelling at him, let's read the very last verse, chapter 6. While they're in court, watch this. This is so cool. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. Isn't that awesome? So here, they're arguing. They're yelling at Stephen. They're fighting against him. And all of a sudden, while they're arguing, while they're fighting, they look at Stephen and his face begins to glow like an angel. In one version of the Bible, while I was studying it, the 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 the, um, the overarching title of the chapter, you know how they, they have those titles in, in the chapter. It, chapter six was God owns Stephen. It's almost like God just like this is my guy. You're gonna if you're gonna fight with him, just so you know, you're fighting against me. And so what's happening now? Watch this. Watch this. Everybody in the room saw his face glow like an angel except for one there's one person that did not see his face glowing like an angel it was Stephen you can't see your own face so here he is he's he's afraid He's scared. He's nervous. He's anxious. He's praying in his head. He's praying in his heart. He's freaking out about what's going on. All the while, God is beaming through him and everybody is seeing it. And you know what's so fascinating about that is I want to tell you this. You can't see what we can see about you. When you look at you, you're not impressed with you. Have you ever had someone give you a compliment and go, you're so wonderful, and you're like, I'm really not. No, seriously, I'm really not. You're so organized. No, I'm really not. You're such a great mom. I promise you I'm not. I had somebody after the first service tell me, it is so obvious that you work so hard to be a husband. I'm like, (laughs) 
I don't know what gave you that impression, but you need to tell me so I can do it again. I'm like, boy. It's like, here's the deal. The reason why people are saying these wonderful things about you is because it's true. The presence of God oozes out of you and we see that. Now you don't see that. And it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. You know why it's frustrating? Because of all those people in that courtroom, not one of them said, Stephen, your face is shining like an angel. And you know what? Bad on us that we don't look at each other and say, bro, you're one of the kindest guys I know. You're one of the nicest people I know. Shame on us, and we need to get better at that. But the point, the point is that everybody sees what you don't see. And we can look in the mirror all we want to, and we will not be impressed with what we see. But you can't see what God sees, and you can't see what we see. You know... I, I said to myself the other day, well, I've said it out loud before, and God convicted me. I, uh, somebody, I can't remember how the conversation went. It was just like, man, you're just an awesome guy, Frankie. And I was like, oh, thanks so much. And I thought to myself, if I weren't me, I wouldn't hang out with me. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever thought that. I've thought that. If I were not Frankie, I would not hang out with Frankie because I know Frankie. And Frankie... That's how I see me. Now, no counseling in the lobby, okay? Don't, don't remind me I'm a child of God. I know I'm a child of God. God doesn't make junk. I know that. I know that. I know that. I'm just telling you that I don't see what God's doing in me. But you can. And you can't see what God's doing in you but we can. And I want to say that you're stronger than you think you are. You're wiser than you think you are. Your vertebrae is is made of steel. People like Scott Johnson is stronger than he thinks he is. People like John Langston, stronger. Ty, you're stronger than you think you are. Just strong. It may feel like you're about to snap, And this is, this is for everybody in the room. you got to hear me say this. That had somebody else had the childhood that you had with the kind of parents that you had, with the first marriage that you had, they wouldn't be where you are today. They would have fallen off a long time ago. The way that you've been able to handle your life and your situation with your complex problems and your complex life, I just want to let you know, that required an immense amount of strength that you can't see. But God sees it. And the rest of us see it. 
and supernaturally your face glows. You say, well, I feel exhausted. I bet you do. Just like Stephen felt exhausted. But greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. And and us as children of God, what we do is say, I feel weak. I know you're in me. Help me to live closer with you. I want to think like you think, breathe like you breathe. That's where we find our strength. And that is the earmark of God.